0: Now over to Pastor Steve.
1: We are in the series called King and Kingdom. And uh, only by the grace of God will I effectively accomplish what is in my heart to give to you today. So I want you to be believing with me you have way more responsibility for what happens in this room during this ministry time than most of you believe that you do. Because there is a an absolute spiritual principle that you are going to receive what you're seeking. So if you've just come to, to be some uh, piece of Play-Doh and let me make little marks on you, what is what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in this room will only be for a few select folks that have showed up expecting. If you've come and you're expecting and you're seeking things from the Lord and your heart is open and you are humble before your God and you are submitted to the authority of the King and His Constitution that we call the Scriptures, then you are going to have much. Jesus said it will be unto you according to that which you are working, desiring, and seeking. Whatever you seek, you'll find. So in Luke chapter 12, these are our uh, foundation and core scriptures. This is Jesus speaking. And this is verses 31 and 32. And this is a truth... That the Lord taught multiple times. The Lord repeated himself a lot. All we like children have gone astray. And so the Lord sometimes has to deal with us like children. Anybody ever have to repeat themselves to their children? No? No. Oh, says the children while mom's sitting in the room. Yeah, okay. The Lord has to repeat himself to us. And good leaders, I say this all the time to our to our staff and uh, our leadership team. I said, leaders are repeaters. Leaders are repeaters. People don't get stuff the first time. People don't get stuff the first time, even when they say, "Oh, I get it." Mm-mm. Leaders are repeaters. If you're a good leader, you're a good repeater. And the Lord said this in multiple different times in multiple different ways. To multiple different groups of people. So these are uh, these are things that the Lord that the scriptures even recorded that were so important that the Lord repeated it. You know, think about it. He has this little tiny sliver of of pages in a book to get the most important things that Jesus in three and a half years. He basically did ministry sixteen hours a day, three hundred and sixty five days a year, for three and a half years. And we've got a few chapters that recount that. There's a lot that we didn't get. But everything that we need was in here. And so when, like, I know this is not theologically correct, so give me some grace. But when God wastes the space to repeat things, you should say, oh my Lord. Like, he literally wasted... You know, this this subset of verses just to repeat himself, that's a big deal. And so those things specifically are very important for you to make sure that you put them into the, the inner workings of your heart and your life. And these are some of those verses, and I'm only using just a, a sliver of these because we've covered them at length in the past, but they're in multiple places in the Scriptures. Matthew chapter uh, 6 is another place that these Scriptures are found. But rather, seek you. And in Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first. Seek first. And I know it's Sunday morning and you're at church and so you got your best spiritual face on and you feel as holy right now as you have all week. But I want you to just think about, for a moment, seeking First.
0: First,
1: I would say that um, I would be accurate to say that this room is likely filled with people who seek the kingdom. And that's awesome, because I've been in churches that I can't say that. (laughs) Amen. Amen. But I would say that this room is likely filled. The majority of this room is seeking the kingdom. Not everybody. I get it. I understand. You're, you're still wanting to know if this is for you. That's fine. But, how many in this room are actually seeking first? Seeking first the kingdom. This is challenging Even to me, your pastor, like it's my job to be like the kingdom guy, but it isn't any more my job than yours. And we've done that. We've we've separated laity and clergy, which neither of those two words are in the scriptures. (laughs)
0: Just
1: so you know. That was never the intent. In fact, I'm going to cover this in some verses a little bit later. But we were supposed to be, when we were born again, God put, turned us into a kingdom, a nation of kings and priests. Everyone in here, if you're born again, you're a priestly king. Which is equal to me. Equal, but different. This is this is why I, the, the woman's lib movement just gets in my crawl and makes me want to pray. <laughs> because the women's uh, lib movement says that women basically are better. And they have to be equal in every aspect of life to the to the end results of being the same. Which is why we've now destroyed genders. It's one of the reasons that gender has been destroyed in our, in our culture. Because most people cannot grasp the concept of equal but different. K is my equal. In marriage, in life, in the kingdom... She is absolutely my equal. And she is different. And that's beautiful. In our equality, being able to be face to face, and in our differences, and I'm not going to explain this, we were able to bear fruit. Her name is Hannah. That is only possible if we are equal, but different. And we're trying to destroy different for the sake of equality, or we're trying to uh, glorify different to the devastation of equality. And both of those are wrong. Those are two ditches on either side of the road. The center of the road is equal and different. So I'm your equal, and I'm different. This This is what I do. There's things that you do that are probably not this. Some of you may never hold a mic. Some of you, that's a good thing. (laughs) But some of you do things that I'll never do. And I'm totally okay with that. I have no problem calling Scott, who's a way better mechanic than me, and asking him, hey, um, help me figure out my car. I have no problem calling my son, who's a tech guy, and saying, hey, help me figure out the tech. And Scott has no problem asking me about the scriptures in the kingdom, and my son has no problem asking me about the scriptures in the kingdom. It's not like because they know things that I don't know that all of a sudden they're above me. You seeking first the kingdom in your life may look different, may even have different applications, and so it doesn't have to be like this is the way Steve does it. Don't don't put me in the grid. What is the Lord calling you to do, and how does that look to seek the kingdom in your life? First. If you don't seek it first, the Lord said that what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to produce the own your own fruits in life. Uh, I can't go there. You... You cannot satisfy you. You can never provide for you. You were not created to. In Jeremiah chapter 10, uh, Jeremiah was lamenting the way of humanity and he said, Oh Lord, now I know it is not within man's power, it is not within man's creation to satisfy, to, uh, to be able to lead and direct their own lives. you're not capable of it. You were created to partner with the Holy Spirit. You were created to have a Father who fathered you. You will never be older than your Father in Heaven. You will always have a Father. And to submit to that process for the rest of eternity is something that is actually mature. It's actually mature. Seek first the Kingdom of God. And when we do that, all these things, and he was talking about food and clothing and houses and, and relationships and anything that, that, that affects this natural life, you can lump under all. So here's, here's one of those challenging things that makes some folks stay away from my leadership. If there's a deficit in your life, then I can tell you based upon these scriptures that I didn't write, that there could be areas in your life you're not seeking first the kingdom. Because if you were, the promise from the Lord is there wouldn't be those deficits. If you're seeking first the kingdom, then you give your Father and the King of the kingdom permission to bring those things into your life. But if you're seeking the things... They know how to run from you. Anybody ever had money run from them? Just me. Oh, me and Pastor Craig. How much money y'all got? (laughs) We've got to build a bathroom. Come on, y'all. Cough it up. (laughs) I've spent a ton of my life seeking money. Money makes a terrible master. Money is one of the worst slave masters you will ever serve. Money will beat you, destroy you, will molest you in ways that you didn't know it was possible. Power, the lust, the greed for power. All of these things. The, the insecurity that makes us desire relationships in, a, in, a, in an incorrect way. This is what turns most, uh, many marriages, even in the kingdom of God, many marriages that I know, that I've, that I've Kay and I have counseled, I don't even know, I, I've lost track of the number of people that we've helped, but most marriages are literally a prostitution agreement. The guy pays his part and gets what he pays for, and the gal pays her part and gets what she's paying for, And then they both get used by each other in prostitution because they're paying to get from each other. And then they spend 20 years doing that, and eventually they can't take it no more because your heart is destroyed in prostitution. And so then they quit. And that's called a divorce. And then they destroy children. And the devil laughs every single time. And especially for that to happen in Christianity. The group of people that have two commands, love God and love each other. Love God, love each other. And we can't even stay together in a marriage that we swore an oath to God and did a covenant that was unified by the Spirit of God. We can't even keep our marriages together. We're supposed to be able to love God and love each other. Quiet up in here. Guess I'll move along. And all these things shall be added. That's a promise. Shall be added. Shall be added. The Lord doesn't mix His words. The same mouth that said light be, and the entire universe was lit up, is the same mouth that just told you, if you seek first the kingdom, all these things shall be added. Shall be Fear not, little flock. Amen. Some people hear that and they're like offended. Don't you call me a flock. That's your problem. You're going to be off out there running around. Little fat, wooly sheep. Thinking you got it all figured out. Strutting your stuff. And you get pounced on by a wolf. And then you bleed out. Where's all my friends? And where's my shepherd? Why did you leave me to this You ran away, sheep? Amen. But the problem is, is when you come into the fold, you got some shepherd dude always trying to trim your wool. And then you got all these other sheep that are all up in your territory. Amen. Some people just rather be out there and take their chances with the wolves. As for me and my house, I'm okay being a sheep in a flock. Amen. Amen. A sheep outside of a flock, a sheep that does not have a shepherd, is called mutton. Mutton. Google it. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You can actually bring pleasure to the Father's heart by just allowing Him to give you the kingdom. Some of you understand this concept that there are few greater pleasures than being able to lovingly and generously give to someone and for them to receive it and to value it. Kay and I have given houses away and cars away and boats and motorcycle gold. That's a singular. (laughs) Money. And sometimes it's worked out awesome and sometimes it bit us in the hiney. But there's a few times when we get when we gave our house away in Texas. The couple that we gave it to, they were, um, they were both ex-cons. It's it's a long story. I don't now I done started it. I probably I thought about it. They, it was they were an amazing couple. They were so precious, so beautiful. Um, they, but they were ex-cons, um, both of them, and um, we just. We adored them. We loved them. There was no way that they would have ever been able to buy a house. No bank would have ever loaned to them. And obviously, most of you understand, to just save money until you can buy a house cash, you know, figure that out. And so they would likely never have owned a home in their entire life. And we gave them our house. And we called them over to the, we called them over to the house. Uh, I have to do this without letting my soul get involved because I'll cry. And we sat them in our house, and and we fed them dinner, and we were just hanging out with them. We're like, "Hey, what do you guys think about our house?" And they're like, "Oh, this is such a beautiful house." And da 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 da. And I said, "Well, uh, one of the reasons that Kate and I brought you over is we'd like to give you our house." And they were. Obviously not comprehending at first. Who, who comprehends that, to be fair? Like, hey, we want to give you our house. Okay, thanks. For the weekend? <laughs> no, forever. And we, it took us like, I don't know, five or ten minutes to like, actually for them to get it, that we were giving them our house. And they, they brought us pleasure by the way that they received our house and this is a natural house substance brick and mortar and wood how much more little flock can you bring your father pleasure by letting him give you the eternal kingdom to be sown into the depths of your heart that changes everything about you. How much more did that bless the Father than it blessed Cain and I to give a house or anything that we've given? How much more the Father? This is what Jesus came and died for. And most of us miss this. Most believers miss this. And I, I pray that I'm going to do a really good job today of really trying to get this sunk into the depths of your heart. That Jesus was a king of a kingdom who came to put the kingdom into this earth. He didn't come to be a great teacher. He didn't come to be the rabbi of all rabbis. He didn't even um, come to, to do great things and heal the sick and all that. Those were all peripheral things. He was a king of a kingdom that came to bring the kingdom to this earth. And we've missed this. We've turned this into man, I just need some healing or man, I'm I'm depressed and so I better go to church or you know, I'm my lifestyle is destroying me, so I'll I'll self-medicate or you know what? We've changed Christianity into some kind of self-serving like little caveat It's not that. The Lord wants to completely fill you with the kingdom so that the kingdom can completely fill the earth. I actually have some of this written down because I knew that if I tried to teach through this, I would get sidetracked. So I, I wrote some of this stuff down. This is one of the few times that you'll ever hear me actually have notes in my notes. Most times just a bunch of scriptures. It is the nature of kings to expand their kingdoms to new territories. It's in their nature. It's in a king's nature to expand the kingdom. God created the earth to establish His kingdom and for His will to be done here as it was in heaven. That's why He taught us the only prayer that was ever taught. Ever. The only prayer ever taught was for us to pray, not verbatim and not to repeat and not to be like little parrots and just say it like He said it. But one of the things that Jesus taught in that prayer was for us to pray, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth. As. Equal to. The same way it's done in heaven. Everyone in here probably has, has heard it or even has it memorized. And I can tell you that very few, 0.001% of the body of Christ even have a clue what they're praying. You're literally praying that heaven's reality becomes an earthly reality every time you say that prayer. And then somebody like me comes and says, the Lord wants to heal you. Well, I don't know about all that healing stuff. How many sick people are in heaven? How many depressed, oppressed? How many civil wars in heaven? How many dark alleys filled with big angels ready to thump you? Anything that you can imagine is the way that it is in heaven is the way it should be here. And I can probably guarantee that none of us can say it's that way. That's why Jesus did all the stuff He did. He didn't want to be the famous healer guy. The reason he was healing, folks, is because he was. it was so contrary to his understanding that people could be sick. He made them. He didn't make them to be broke. He didn't make them to be broken. He didn't make them to be filled by demons. He made them to be filled by his spirit. He didn't make them to, to, to be... Uh, conquered. He made them to be conquerors. He didn't make them to be victims. He made them to be victors. He made us to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath. That's what he made us for. And so that's why he's like, you're sick? What the... How's that? You're you're lacking something? I'll just... I'll take these five loaves and two fish and just feed everybody... everybody. Everybody. It wasn't like he, stand back guys, watch this miracle. Okay, now take notes. You're going to have to write about this later. Ready? Voila. No, he said he looked up into heaven. He just looked into heaven. And he's seen heaven. The abundance of heaven. The manna that just spilled out over he- over heaven every morning for 40 years on the children of Israel. He looked into heaven and he just seen the abundance of heaven. And it said he lifted up the loaf and he broke it. And heavenly's reality of more than enough became an earthly reality right there. With 15,000 people. He wasn't trying to do a miracle, y'all. He was just showing us the kingdom. This is the way it is with my Father. If you think through some of the instances, remember Peter came up to him and said, Lord, we've got to pay taxes. <laughs> Even back then. You know, the Lord could have. He had the ability to just like make money, rock, be gold. But he didn't. Think about it. He told Peter, the former fisherman, to go fishing and catch a fish. And the first fish you catch will have money in its mouth, which is enough money to pay Urani's annual tax, which was around thirteen thousand dollars. So he caught a fish that had twenty six thousand dollars at least, because who knows if it wasn't for all of the disciples. He could have just done it, but he didn't. He put Peter to it. He's like, Peter, this is how the kingdom works. You take that natural skill you used to have, where catching fishes and, and grinding through the, the business fisherman stuff, and, and day after day, the sweat and the toil, and the boats and the nets, and the boats and the nets, and sell the fish, and do the thing, and have the job, and just get through. And I'm going to show you the kingdom. I'm going to give you a taste. The taste of the kingdom is go catch one fish, and it's got money in its mouth. Why would he do that? So he could be miraculous? He wasn't even there. Same thing with the lepers. He didn't even pronounce any healing over them. He didn't sprinkle them with holy water. He didn't, you know shake the heavens to get healing to come down. He just said, go show yourselves to the priests. Which made them say, what are we going to show to the priests? It's illegal. We could literally be put to death to go to the holy synagogue, the holy temple as lepers. And it says, as they went... They were healed. As they went processing that the Master, the Lord, told them to go show themselves to the priests, they had to finally come down to the only way for us to have the right to show ourselves to the priests is to be leprous-free. And they were leprous-free. And showed themselves to the priests. He didn't say, Be healed in my name. It was always he was always bringing doing speaking teaching preaching the kingdom as a king should. God created the earth to establish his kingdom and for his will to be done here as it is in heaven. Then he created a family or an inheritance his offspring. <laughs> The first Adam, Adam means man or mankind. So he made man in his image and in his likeness. We have his image and his likeness because he was having family. He was having sons of inheritance that were going to do what he did and accomplish what he accomplished, which was be the king of a kingdom. That's who he was. That's what he was making for us. He built a garden, a kingdom. And then he made us the king. And then he said, now, go and establish this over the whole earth. Be fruitful and multiply. Make this whole earth, just like this kingdom that I gave you, that you are already the king of now be kings over the entire earth of a kingdom. And Satan came and said, "Hey, can I have the kingdom instead?" And Adam and Eve were deceived, and they said, "Sure, take the kingdom." And I know that we're all like really irritated at Adam and Eve. I've even heard people say this, "When I get to heaven, I'm going to do it up." I'm like, oh, "Really?" Cuz I could probably look at some of the parts of your life where you've given Satan The things that belong to you, and you're going to criticize him. Oh, you, with your great big log in your eye, you're going to talk about Adam's speck. Interesting. He created a family or an inheritance, the first man, Adam, mankind, in his image and his likeness, and entrusted us with the kingdom tasks. He planted a garden in Eden and put that mankind in the garden. This garden was not a typical garden that we see or think of with just trees and flowers and birds. This garden was a unique and special place. The Garden of Eden was the first prototype of God's kingdom nation on the on the earth. It was God's invisible kingdom manifested in the natural or the visible. That's why it was perfect. Because it came from the blueprint of heaven. The garden was perfect because it was the exact same replication of what heaven was, which was perfect. But it was earth perfect, whereas heaven was spirit perfect. I, I struggle to say some of these things. Because I know I, if I say some of these things, I almost feel like I have to explain them. But, God, <laughs> praise Jesus. God created a realm. Prior to creation, prior to Genesis 1-1, there was the realm of the Spirit. That was the entire everything. He literally created a realm called the physical, the natural. He literally created a realm... And put us in there to be the kings of the realm. We're supposed to be ruling and reigning over all of creation. All of the natural realm is supposed to be our inheritance. <sighs> I, that's why I'm like, I struggle to say those things. Because I feel like I really got to explain them and give you scriptures. But, <sighs> Amen. Just talk to Jesus about it. Everything that constituted a nation was present in the garden. And God wanted the entire earth to be like that garden. I want you to think about that word garden. Because this is something that plays out through the scriptures over and over and over. Why are we called trees of righteousness? Why, are, why did Jesus say, I am the vine and you are the branch? Why are the manifestations of the Spirit in our life called fruit. I don't know if people even think about this. Why fruit? could have just said manifestations of the Spirit. These are the manifestations of the Spirit. No, it's fruit. Because we are supposed to be gardeners in a garden. Everything has this language to it. Because that's how it started. We're all supposed to embrace this, that things come from this garden mentality. Why is this... Uh, man, i got to move. The serpent. Why even that? Why is Satan called a serpent? Because in a garden, if there's a snake in there, the gardener rules over the serpent. The serpent doesn't have a right to come into the gardener's garden and do whatever the serpent wants to. If the serpent is there, well, let me put it this way. In Texas, when we saw a snake, we shot it.
0: Yeah! Illinois, <laughs> too.
1: But I got bit one time by a, by a poisonous snake and I was so like, it's a long story, but I, I was like, I was shocked. Like I was holding it. Uh, there's a long story here. <laughs> this is one of those times like I'm like, I'm like 10 words in and I'm like, oh, I should have never said that. Anyway, I was holding a snake and I got shocked that it bit me. I, I know, whatever. You, some of us have stupid moments. Some of us more than others. Anyway, I got shocked by by being bit by the snake, and I uh, killed it because I was mad. Um, so anyway, in retrospect, after I was, and it was a rattlesnake, um, so I had to believe God for, you know, Mark 16, that I didn't die. Uh, and I didn't. Here I am. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking after the fact, like, why did I think that that snake wouldn't bite me? But we, how often do we do this? Well, you know, this, this sin in my life, I mean, it's really not that bad. It's, it's not going to cause that mal- Bam! <laughs> Where'd that come from? Oh, you got bit by the snake. Don't play with snakes! I right, said that to me. The serpent, which is the deceiver, entered the garden and deceived Adam and Eve, and then and there came a disruption to God's agenda: A illegal tyrant. election fraud cheating ruler got into a place where he should have never been should have never been. And Adam and Eve allowed it to happen. Was that subtle? Did it... <laughs> and there came a disruption to God's agenda. But his purpose remained the same. So he called another man, Abraham. And to this man he said that I will... Give you your seed are gonna be like the stars of the heaven and the sands of the seashores. And all nations in you shall be blessed. And Abraham accepted it. That's the radical thing about the faith of Abraham. Abraham wasn't like this, this giant of faith. In fact, in the scriptures, there's a tons of other people that did things that we would call greater faith stuff. Elijah, uh, Elisha, healed a leper. Like, that was unheard of. That wasn't even, you wouldn't have the Bible. Like, these folks were writing the Bible. They didn't have the stories of the Bible and then go do the stories of the Bible. They were literally living things that were turning into the Bible. How did Moses think that God could part the Red Sea? Where did he get the grid for that? All these things sometimes, we just take these things for granted, but put yourself in those people's shoes where there was none of this. So it wasn't, it wasn't Abraham did these amazing, miraculous things. He like literally tried to give his wife away to save his tail twice. And then when his wife said, Hey, this baby thing is just not happening. How about you go into my handmaiden? He said, Well, no, I, Okay. Like, it wasn't because he was this holy, amazing, like, pious guy that floated from cloud to cloud. What made him the father of our faith was because God said a promise to him, and he said, Okay. And it was the, one of the first people in scriptures that God gave a really powerful, uh, world-altering, realm-altering promise to, and he actually said, Okay. That's what made him the father of the faith. It's, it's that the father, the the, the the prodigy of faith that we have is when the Lord comes to us with a promise, we say, okay, that's the fathering of it. Not that he created all the seed and then we end up with Jews and they're the great people because they came from Abraham. No, we came from Abraham because the whole purpose of God giving That promise to Abraham was to get Christ, who was going to be the seed of Abraham, and from Christ all nations will be blessed. It wasn't Abraham's natural seed. It was the seed that came through that word of God, the faith that he activated to it, that eventually turned into Christ, the body of Jesus Christ, and from Jesus every nation shall be blessed. He established the nation of Israel, which is the second prototype of what a kingdom nation is supposed to look like. And what did they do? How awesome did that turn out? Read the Old Testament. Nation slaves. Nation slaves. Nation slaves. Nation slaves. Nation slaves. They could not get away from being slaves to the snake. I mean, there was one time, in. and this is off track. But there was one time, I believe it was in Jeremiah, where God literally prophesied to Jeremiah that uh, Israel was going to go into slavery, and all of this terrible stuff was going to happen to a nation, and that nation hadn't even risen to power yet. And God prophesied it. And then the amazing part is they just said, well, okay, hey, look, this new nation just showed up. Didn't anybody say anything about them? Yeah, God did a couple hundred years ago. Oh, okay, well, let's just go be slaves. It it was, they failed at being the nation that God created them to be, which was the nation that in all the whole world, everybody shall be blessed. They decided to do what their father Abraham did and their father Adam did which was eventually give up the inheritance. Exodus 19.6 This is the promise that he had to that nation if they would receive it. We know they didn't. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You're going to be a kingdom and a holy nation. Are you following it? Kingdom and holy nation. The word nation is ethos in the Greek. This is Hebrew, but in the Greek, nation is ethos, which is where we get the word ethnic. So you're going to be a kingdom of many ethnicities. Are you following me? This is why God loves diversity. This is why there's so many colors. This is why there's so many differences. And... I was, the most po- I was the most popular I've ever been in my entire life, riding around in the bus in, in these back, back village areas of Kenya. I'd be hanging out the window and just waving at all the people, and I'd hear over and over "Mazungu, Mazungu," which is white guy in in Lao and in and in Swahili, I think. Uh, so they were you would hear just "Mazungu, Mazungu, Mazungu" all over it. it. You know, imagine that, like change it to today's culture. Imagine a a black guy riding around with a bunch of white guys, riding through Lena, and everybody in Lena says, black guy, black guy, black guy. It would be the most offensive, terrible thing. But to me, I was like, yes, I'm the white guy. And, and all the kids would come up. <laughs> li- 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 <laughs> so all the kids would come up. And, the, you know, African uh, folks don't have, like, hair on their body and stuff. like. So they would they would take my arm hair and they would pull it. Mizugu, mizugu, <laughs> and they'd mess up my hair. And they'd look in my eyes because, you know, the, most of their eyes are brown. And they'd look in my And that diversity was so beautiful. They were so entrancing for me. I was like, oh, you guys are so... It's hard to not cry and be in those environments. The diversity is so beautiful. God made the rainbow. And we're trying to change it back to gray. And then we've got the LGBT liars that are trying to take a promise of God and turn it into their symbolism for death and destruction. It's painful. The serpent also entered the nation of Israel and disrupted God's plan for them. They went after other gods and rejected the one who had created them. But God's purpose remained the same. God sent another Adam, the last Adam. His name is Jesus. He said that the kingdom of God will be taken from them and will be given to another nation that will bear fruit to it. That's Matthew 21, 43. That nation is called the ecclesia, which is the word for church. You ever think about this? Why is the first thing that people get offended at in Christianity the church? It's the first thing. I mean, people can quit the church like it's a video game, like just shut the sucker off. Quit being an American. It's harder. It's harder for you to, to cancel your citizenship as an American than it is for you to quit the church. Which is why very, very, very few people have any value have the value that Jesus has for the church. Jesus sees the church as the greatest nation, as the final end result of everything that has been done from the beginning until this moment. He sees the church as the only thing that will stop hell from ruling and reigning in this natural realm. And most people see the church as their problem. And quit it. And not only just quit it, but on their way out, they make sure they leave a trail of destruction behind them. A mushroom cloud of offense and anger and blasphemy and curses. That pastor and that preacher and those people and the hypocrites. You know, you don't have a problem with your sinner friend being a hypocrite, lying all the time, being a drunk, doing all the stupid crap. Uh, just, yeah, that's just the way old Frank is. It's just a... But God forbid one person at a church one time does one thing. Oh, it says, all, them, all them Christians are hypocrites. I'm out of here. Bunch of liars. If you treated the church at least as good as Walmart, you'd be healthier. Probably everybody in here, I know this is true for me, almost every time I go to Walmart I'm offended by something. Even if it's just yoga pants. Like I didn't know they made yoga pants to hold that much. <laughs> it is a violation of physical properties. Physics is screaming at a
0: Walmart.
1: <laughs> it's hard to not walk in a Walmart and be offended. And you can go there five times a week and give them your money and buy crap you know you shouldn't have and get stuff that you know is of poor value that you know is going to break. It came from China, for crying out loud. Just like, never mind. And we'll line up over and over to go give them our money. And God forbid one bad time, one bad moment, They repeat the chorus of the song one too many times. I have literally had people get up during a song and walk out because they said, and they sent me an email letting me know that we said the chorus too many times. They were offended because we repeated the chorus too many times in that one song. It was irritating and it bothered them and they left. And have yet to step foot back in this church except for one time in a funeral. (laughs) Which is when most people go to a church. Do you think about it? That is demonic. It is demonic to be this offendable in the house of God with the people of God and yet go to a restaurant and let a waitress like, you know, say terrible stuff to you. Well, I'm just going to not tip her. And you go back to the same restaurant over and over and over and over. Go to somewhere, they make you put a muzzle on your face so you can buy lumber. Menards. Menards. And we'll be like, I oh, can't believe they're muzzling me. I can't believe they're doing this. They kick Kay and I out of it. <laughs> they literally walked us out of a Menard's one time. And you go back. And go back. And go back. I, mean, I didn't. <laughs> but go back. And we'll just go back and get more punishment. It's the exact same thing. When I used to run all these restaurants, I had all these gals. You know, I had 1,500 employees or whatever it was. And, and a bunch of them were... Um, you know, minimum wage gals in DFW, in the Metroplex and you know, which is uh, usually a, a, a hard group of people and these gals, it was so easy for them to find that guy you know, the one that punch him in the face and treat him like dirt and, and belittle them and, and, and a bunch of these gals were amazing beautiful, we had some of them live with us because we tried to rescue them out of these situations and they'd just go back, and go back, and go back. And it would break our hearts. We'd cry, can I, like, I can't believe that so-and-so went back. Like, where do you even find these guys? <laughs> it doesn't, I don't have a grid for treating a dog the way that some of these guys treat gals. And they'd go back. And we do this in Christianity. We know how the enemy's treating us. We know what the world does to us. And we go back and go back and go back. And then cry out to our Father. And the amazing thing is He's so gracious that He rescues us every time. And then we break His heart and we go back and go back. This church, and not just the local church, But the universal church is supposed to be operating as a nation in a nation. A kingdom with a king. And we already know what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like heaven. And we know how it's supposed to operate. It's supposed to operate like the Constitution, the Scriptures. And we're Oftentimes, folks are coming to Christianity because they're, you know, just depressed, or they feel like their lives just need a little God, or they need some spirituality, or well, I don't know. I don't know what compels or draws people in. But whatever it is, God, I'm glad you're here. I'm not. Step, <laughs> come. I don't. Whatever it is, come. But let this, let these truths repent. This is what Jesus' message was: repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand. The kingdom of heaven is right there. Repent. Change your way of thinking because I've come to bring you the kingdom. Does that mean your body gets healed? Of course. Does that mean that your relationships get mended? Of course. Does that mean that all of your brokenness gets healed? Yes, absolutely. Does that mean that your soul gets prospered? Of course. But it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you, say me. <laughs> okay, half of you. The other half, it's still true, whether you say it or not. But you are a chosen generation. You know, there's one generation in Christianity. There's no, There's no Joshua generation. I hear all these men... I mean, we're... Preachers are... God bless us. We'll do anything to sell a book. There's no Joshua generation. We're, 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 there's no grandkids in the body of Christ. There, if you have a father, it's one generation, and you are the same generation as your big brother Jesus. There's one generation. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Royal, kingly, royalty, priesthood. You're both. In the Old Testament, there was kings and there was priests. And if a king ever tried to be a priest, or if a priest ever tried to be a king, they were both dealt with swiftly and usually terribly. And it usually destroyed the nation at the same time. But in the new kingdom, in the new covenant, in the new birth, you are born a royal priest. Both. Everyone in here is royal and priest. Well, I don't feel very... It doesn't say everyone in here feels like... You feel like a chosen generation. You feel like a royal priesthood. You feel, it doesn't say that. It says you are. You are. A holy nation. Look at the wording. Nation, kingdom, generation. Think about the, the grandiose way in which this language is being used. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Some of us more than others. But peculiar means special. Even that word has been messed with. It it literally means like the the oh man. It's, it's it's the one. It's your favorite. If you have like two kids and you have one that's your favorite. I'm not saying I have one favorite. <laughs> just being funny I love them both the same a special people so God loves all people but he really loves his people are you following me? like I'm his favorite of all the people I'm his favorite and you can say it too and I'm okay with that but I know I'm his favorite I've, I've allowed him to let me be his favorite And you can too. I'm not challenged by that. That you should show forth the praises. The word praises is doxa. It means you're supposed to show forth the the high value and the high opinion of Him who's called you. We should literally walk around with a spiritual arrogance. Not a natural arrogance. Natural arrogance is A stench in the nostril of God, but a spiritual arrogance to where, if anything, that the snake slithers in and tries to, whoa, 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 snakes. (laughs) Are you for real? But most of us are like, oh, I got a headache. It's just going to be a bad, I got a migraine today. I'm just going to have a bad day. Come on in, snake. Let's do it together. Me and you. (laughs) Kill the snake. Walk around with arrogance. How dare you? I do this, and I hate sickness. Hate it. I hate sickness and disease. If if Kay or even the kids like, if they've ever seen like, a, what, what's going on? You, are you holding something? You got, you got a limp? You got what? 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 In Jesus name. The reason that. Well, a lot of believers are sick is because they don't hate it. Well, you know, I'm just getting older. Stuff's going to fall apart. Right. Just embrace it. Just let her come. You know, you get older and your eyesight go, and the first thing that goes is you're here. You should hate it. Yeah. I don't st- uh, no, I'm telling on myself. i got to move on. <laughs> When I'm going to tell myself I've got to move on, you should show forth the praises of him who has called you, past tense, out of darkness into his marvelous light. The light of what? Heaven! The light of heaven, where there's no sun, but everything is lit. There's no sun. Think about this. In heaven, there's no sun and no shadows. You do the math. There's no sun and no shadows. That's what you're called into. Which in times past, we're not a people. We weren't. We were just a bunch of random scrubs walking around doing our own things, serving ourselves. We had our own little mini kingdom. It's all about me. Just me, 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 me. Serving yourself, being your own king, telling everybody else that they're stupid because you got it all figured out while you're heading off to the road to destruction, falling off a cliff, and trying to make it look cool because you're doing it you know, like fallen with style. Now, fallen with style and fallen, you're still busting your head on the concrete. Which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Are you seeing the dichotomy here? The way that you obtain mercy is to be in the kingdom, to embrace being a royal priesthood, to embrace being a chosen generation, to embrace being a peculiar people. That's how you obtain the mercy. I didn't say offered mercy. Everyone's offered mercy. But you actually obtain it by embracing these truths. Revelation eleven, fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded and there was a, there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world, a loud voice. Now think about this. This is angel loud voice. This isn't Steve loud voice. And I've got a big voice. But this is angel loud voice. Let me say it this way. Everyone's going to hear it. I've heard people say, well, I wonder if the rapture has come, and people don't know. And uh, No, I, I can assure you, <laughs> when these things are going down, I wonder if the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Okay. <laughs> if you have to say, I wonder if, it's not. The mark of the beast is the mark of the beast. You're going to know. And people that take it are doing it, are going to take it, and people that don't. Now I'll say this, the vaccine is a mark of the beast. But not the mark of the beast. Think about that. The reason it's a mark of the beast is because it's like the it's like the warm up. It's like the appetizer before the real meal. Well, if I if I gotta get the job in order to keep my job, yeah, because your job's so important. Well, if I gotta get the job to be able to travel around and go to the beach, then I guess I will. Are you for real? There ain't a person in here that knows what's in it. Not a person. There ain't a person outside of the makers that knows what's in it. There's probably a reason for that. We're required to put the ingredients on Doritos. (laughs) And you're going to take a shot that nobody on the planet yet knows what's in it. Just so you can keep your job. Talk about selling out. This is not the mark, but it is a mark. And look how many people. Look how many people. There are nations on this planet that have 80% of their population injected. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. A loud voice. So, the purpose, the, what this angel is saying, is that all these kingdoms, plural, all of these kingdoms, plural, America is a kingdom, all of these kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms, plural. There's still diversity in the new and coming kingdom under the king. The kingdoms plural become the kingdoms plural, except they just have a different Lord. Uh, Are you following me? This is the, the reason that we're supposed to be turning America into the kingdom of God. So that when this time comes and the angel sounds, then we can say, Hey, America's one of the kingdoms. Do you remember the Lord telling the parable that at the end that the Lord is going to separate the sheep nations and the goat nations? And the sheep, he's going to say, Come and enter in. And the goat nations are going to be cast out into outer dark nations. See, we've turned Christianity into be well, I just want me and my little house all blessed. Wear the beloved t-shirt. No, we're supposed to be affecting nations. The great commission was to go into all the world and to disciple, discipline nations. We can't even discipline ourselves. And I'm, I'm being for real. I was I was with someone the other day and and we were talking about stuff he's like well, what are you doing and da, 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 da. and he kept asking me questions and I'm I'm writing a book and I got a church that I planted, we're planting another church in, in Honduras and, and I got Steve Castle Ministries and I travel and he's like and you know, I like to you guys probably know that I like to work out and I like to do all this other stuff and I in addition to that I'm studying what's going on in our culture so I can fight against it and, and looking behind the scenes and trying to get the truth and I'm doing all this kind of stuff. He's like, Man, I wished I was disciplined like you And I said, Okay. He goes, I just wasn't born that way. I just wasn't born disciplined like you. I'm like, you, you, you think you're born disciplined? You think I can't go sit on the couch and play Atari and eat bonbons and get stupid? And uh. My mom has a basement just like all your mamas. And I can go sit down there and play, what's the name of the game? No, Fortnite. I can go sit in my mom's basement and play Fortnite all I want. I can't. I'm a grown-up. And mom would let me. (laughs) Because she's a a pushover. (laughs) Hannah's telling me to hush. That means Hannah's trying to push her over. (laughs) Mom's just so loving and so graceful. I said, Mom, can I play Fortnite in your basement? Oh, sure, honey. (laughs) Go ahead. Help yourself. I can do that. Or I can be in the kingdom. It can be about me and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Or it can be about the king and the kingdom. To where I, I buffet my body. I keep myself in subjection. I, I make sure that I'm accomplishing what I'm supposed to accomplish. And I go about doing the things of my Lord. And then I can get to the end of my life and I can say, I always did those things that please the Father. Just like Jesus said in John 8:37. I always do those things that please the Father. It pleases the Father to be disciplined. It pleases the Father to think the way He thinks. To love the way He loves. To destroy sickness and disease. To punch tyrants in the face, spiritually. It pleases the Father. And so I'm going to be disciplined about it. I'm going to be diligent about it. I'm going to be busy about the kingdom. And he shall reign forever and ever. And he shall reign. Revelation 15.4 Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. So I use this language about fruit... And, and garden language, and you remember when Jesus was resurrected, the first person that ever saw Jesus after his resurrection called him a gardener. Mary Magdalene said, sir, thinking that he was a gardener, said, where have you taken my Lord? The first thing that Jesus was called or was speculated to be was a gardener. The reason is because he is the gardener of the new Eden that is what Jesus is trying to plant and fill the whole earth with. You are supposed to be little Johnny apple seeds going all over this world, planting liberty, health, joy, peace, kingdom everywhere you go. Spreading the seed, Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4. And I don't have time in Kenya. I'd have time. Just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. Just saying. I mean, uh, you know, don't be condemned. Sorry. Ryan said there's no condemnation in Christ. Well, there's no condemnation at beloved. I'm just saying in Kenya, I'd be able to tell you what I want to tell you. But I want to skip down. Most of Mark 4 is one parable. And it's called the sower that sows the word. And I just want to read in verse 10, after he said the parable, he said in verse 10, And when he was alone, they that were about him, with the twelve, so the twelve and the other disciples. I could totally talk about being a disciple right now. Disciples are not the crowd. Most people in Christianity are the crowd. They're the folks in the stands. Saying, go, team, go. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing, they see and don't perceive. And that's deep. And hearing, they hear But they don't understand. You can hear and not understand. You can see and not perceive. happens all the time. There are so many times I'm having a conversation with someone and I know it just was... I'm like, I don't know how else to say it. Hearing, they may hear and not understand. Lest at any time. So any time that you go from seeing to perceiving... And any time you go from hearing to understanding, you will be converted. And your sins, remember the word sin means miss the mark. You will no longer miss the mark. The, The forgiveness for missing the mark will take place in your life. And He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables. You have never understood a single parable that Jesus ever said unless you understand this one. Brother Copeland says this is the grandpappy of all parables. If you don't get this, you don't get it. And then he says the sower sows the word. The word of God is a seed that comes into the garden of your heart and if you don't have rocks, don't have thorns, if you're not a hard packed place, if you're actually a good, clean, purified soil, and that seed comes into your heart, it will grow 30, 60, and 100 fold. And it will expand, and it will do what the Lord told Adam to do, which is to make this garden go over the whole earth, and rule and reign everywhere you go. The more you let the kingdom rule and reign in your life and your heart, the more it expands. 30, 60, and 100. And you don't know a thing about the kingdom until you know and understand this parable. And most folks have probably never even heard it preached. I have a whole series out there called Kingdom Fruit that I spent hours and hours and hours and hours teaching on this parable. But this is the parable. Parable. The name of this message is The Parable. I said all of that to tell you about the parable and not preach on it. How you like that? Talk about teaser of all teasers. So the, the purpose is, if you're one of those folks that actually wants to see the kingdom come, and the Lord's will be done, in your life, in your finances, in your health, in your soul, and you're actually one of those peculiar people that want to see it happen outside of you as well. Then please go home with the Holy Spirit and read this parable. It's in it's in Luke 8 and Matthew 13, and so you read all three of them because there's a little bit depth of information when you read all three. And let and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what does my heart look like? And how can I be a 30, 60, 100-fold person? And then you can take the kingdom across all of the places that you live and exist. All right, I'd like to bless you, so if you'd please rise.